So before we get into this episode, I'd just like to acknowledge that we're recording on Jar Jar Rung country and I'd like to pay my respect to elders past, present and future. Hey there and welcome to another action-packed amazing, if I do say so myself, episode of Country Creatives. Our guest today is Lauren Starr. And you might be saying, oi, you've already interviewed Lauren Starr. Yes, that is true. But a lot has happened in the year since we, we did that interview. And Lauren has some very insightful insights, imagine that, insightful insights, about her journey after some really great success that she's experienced through the winning of an amazing art prize. I will not spoil all the details though, so strap in, here it is. Lauren Starr, the one and only, thank you for gracing us once again with your presence in the Country Creative Studio here at the Emporium. Well, thanks for having me back, guys. Just, yeah, you know, it's always a pleasant surprise when someone calls to say, oh, we want like to talk to you. We want to talk to you. Yeah, yeah, it's just, yeah, it doesn't get old. So thank oh, you. And before I move into it, I've just glossed over a really amazing contributor. The one and only Amy Chapman is standing in for Reese. So welcome, Amy. I am not Reese. That's <laughs> true. I'm not. So, I want to just set the scene right. We have, for anyone who has listened to our previous phenomenal, might I say, interview with Lauren Starr, it was pretty great. So we talked to you about a year ago, we said, right, Amy? Yeah, almost to the day, I reckon. Oh, man, that's pretty cool. So you are in part-time artist, part-time teacher. Is that right? Yes. I'm recalling correctly. And you had some dreams and vision for what this art practice might look like in your life. What happened since then to where we are now? It's been a year and it's been a lot has happened. So step me through what really changed after we'd had that conversation. Step me through what happened. Yeah. So, yeah, my life went on speed. (laughs) (laughs) So I was trying to figure out back then what the path was or I desperately wanted a map to how do you be an artist because Mm. I hadn't studied art so I'm trying to figure it out asking lots of questions or if I work hard this that or the other perhaps when I pay my mortgage off in three or four years I'll be able to have a year to do art and then I won this really big art prize and it just fast forwarded my life by three or four years and pay off my house and become a full-time artist it's not just a really big (laughs) art prize it's Australia's yeah Richest yeah. art prize. Yes. Lay it out yeah. for us, yeah. Lauren. Don't gloss blue. over that, Lauren. <laughs> what is the Blue Thumb Art Prize? Yeah, so look, it just happened to align with just being the absolute best year to win it. I won the photography category the previous year, mm. so hence I'd already written myself out of last year because why would they give it to me twice? But anyway, that's another story. <laughs> but So the, each category was worth 10000 and then because it was their 10-year anniversary, they jacked up the main prize from I think it was 20,000 to 150,000. Oh yeah just a little bit of an increase. Yeah so I entered not even thinking I'd win the photography one because should share it around type thing. (laughs) (laughs) So when they rang me to say that I'd won that I was like over the moon. I was so excited. $10,000 I got a new camera. Wow. They asked if I could come to Melbourne to accept the prize and oh yeah it's so exciting and then yeah and then it just all 
became some sort of bizarre dream, which you can see my train wreck video on TikTok. <laughs> not, and I filmed my reaction because not expecting to yeah. – I'd written myself out of the yeah. main prize because, of course, that would go to perhaps a painter or something a bit more traditional than a photographer. And, yeah, so they were describing the winning piece and it took me probably 30 seconds to – Oh, oh my God, they are describing my piece. And <laughs> then I nearly threw up and then <laughs> swore a lot. And then, yay! <laughs> just, it was this whirlwind Cinderella wow. rags to riches sort of wow. atmosphere for, yeah, quite a good few weeks after the win. So I think you asked me before we started, <laughs> did I think I was going to win? Did I plan yeah. it? Nah, no, nah, just. <laughs> Totally do, did not. Do you want to give us a little idea about what the piece was that you oh, entered? Yeah. yeah. So um, ironically, it was a piece I'd actually made for another art prize, which I didn't get into. And that just speaks to the subjectivity of art prizes, but just keep putting yourself out there. So I, I studied a lot of literature and mythology and wanted to make a picture about my daughter being King Midas's daughter. Mm. If you don't know yeah. the story briefly, he desperately wanted everything he touched to turn to gold and that wish came true that when he went to hug his daughter, she also turned to gold. So it was just a parody of, I think, often what we're dealing with in our lives and this hunger to have more and more that uh, is a visual representation to just slow down and just mm. appreciate what you have. And so I spray-painted foliage and different things gold and then painted my daughter gold and made her lie <laughs> in the golden foliage <laughs> and look relaxed enough to take the photo and ironically again it's probably one of my only pieces that's a single shot photo i was going to ask about that yeah, yeah because so it's not photoshopped you use quite not. a lot of that those techniques in your previous work yeah yep in most of my work they're composites of different mm. photographs that i've taken so this is yeah wow and what made you think that was the work that you wanted to enter into this prize? As I said, I'd actually made it for the mm. beautiful Bazaar prize mm. and they had strict rules about it had to be a single shot photo. So I'd gone around those parameters yeah. and then, yeah, once I didn't get into that, I guess it just had, I don't know, it felt natural that, oh, well, mm. I'll just, I'll enter it into this one. <laughs> sure. <laughs> wow. Amazing. Yeah, wow. yeah. So the you said you didn't think you were going to win. You didn't plan to really to win. What was the initial thoughts afterwards, and what impact has that had on your positioning and view of yourself, and in how much time you put towards your art practice? Oh, look, it's been a it's been a roller coaster because I don't know if if you've ever achieved something and you're like, oh, you reached that pinnacle, and then oh shit, what now? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, my life dreams yeah. happened. It. <laughs> so, yeah, in the first few weeks, look, it, it was that dream of media interviews and that sort of Hollywood star being picked out of the cafe sort of scenario. I think the tagline was school teacher wins Australia's richest art prize. It was a fun few weeks and lots of sales and things. And then I guess every 15 minutes or month of fame or whatever it was, it died down. Yeah. Yeah. So what now? What are you yeah. learning, right? What decisions have you made? I had to get through that. There was yeah. a lot of self-worth and I think as human beings we like to have a certain level of security and as I said before I've, I've been looking for a map to how to be an artist. Like I'm, I'm a school teacher, there was a clear map to that. I went to university, got a degree, got a job, get paid fortnightly. Great. Yeah. <laughs> Where's that for art? Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Oh, yeah, okay. So there's not one and that became very apparent to me after I won this prize 
but I'm not now set up for the rest of my life. It has given me time and so many things. It's been wonderful and I need to appreciate it for that, but I've still got to keep going. I've still got to keep working yeah. and, yeah. Can we dig into that moment yeah, too yeah. a little bit? Because I think that's interesting as an as a creative. Like you say, there's a roadmap for so many other things, but there isn't a roadmap for being a creative. Mm-hmm. And so I wonder, it's often the... I just need to get the agent or I just need to win the prize or I just need to do this next step in the mythology that we've been Mm -hmm. taught as Mm. is success. Mm. You got that step. So what went through your head? What were the kind of choices that you could have made? That would have opened up a million different pathways and thoughts and probably a bit of imposter syndrome would have oh, crept in yeah, there. for sure. So Tom. right at that, so yeah, we're mm. talking the month or two after the mm. prize when I had it in my head how I thought it should go and how a lot of other people thought, oh, have you been contacted by big galleries? Are you now represented? <laughs> Got it made for the rest of them. Like, oh, no, that ha- hasn't happened. What's wrong? Maybe they made a mistake. They chose the wrong person. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Shit. Yeah, so digging into all of that and then I got on a train of, okay, if it's a ladder, the next step would obviously be maybe I go get my Masters of Fine Art because that would make me a real artist then. Yeah, it was the next and the next in the hero's journey, what's the next obstacle? And, yeah, so after digging into that for quite a few months and going around in circles, I started to just think about and observe my arts practice and just I made the decision to just enjoy the year so I've taken this year off teaching because that's what I said I would do and the mortgage was paid off and and I began to realize it wasn't actually a ladder that I was climbing being an artist or a creative it's a tapestry and it's very individual and it doesn't yeah you have to get super comfortable with being really uncomfortable a lot of the time And, yeah, a lot of it is just overcoming myself, getting out of my own way and, Mm -hmm. if in doubt, just make the work. Like, really, that's what it's come down to if I had to put in a nutshell of what you should do is just make the work. Yeah, that's (laughs) super powerful. I think that there's an incredibly relatable element here in assessing external motivations and value sense of value where does that come from but also that that the fear of the unknown people hate things they don't understand or don't know right they just yeah. that's just human nature but you what you're saying is that i think is that your journey of an artist is not one that is laid out before us to eliminate the fear of the unknown it is an element of it is the embracing of the unknown and an, rather than an external, a focus on what is going to externally validate you, but rather a focus on more internal. Have you found that? Yes. Yeah. It It's very hard to separate the journey of learning who I am and the journey of being an artist. They're one and the same. Mm. And so I feel that being an artist is, it's not so much a career as a calling Mm. and that, yeah, you never get comfortable so much with the uncomfortableness. But Mm. if you can embrace that, well, it's something special and it's it's a fire within you that has to be shared. It's difficult. It's a, it's Mm. a tricky path, but I think it's really nourishing and worthwhile so in finding the impetus to make work Mm. is have you found that what have you been making what have you been inspired to make with the space that you've got yes the space 
at first I had, I think I had too much space. I'm like, oh, what would a full-time artist do? I don't know, go out for lots of coffees, <laughs> read lots of books. And yeah, so I probably spent the first three or four months researching my project. And then, yeah, the little voice inside of me said, Lauren, you're going to spend the whole year researching. I think you can get stuck in in different modes of creating and I was in the research mode and I just had to begin. One of the ideas I've had rolling around for quite a few years is I've wanted to make artworks that portray women in the goldfields era. So about the 1850s when they first came over to Australia, a lot of my ancestors came in that time and they are not particularly represented in artwork or stories or anything and coincided with just wanting to know more about my family and then wanting to know more about these women and, yeah, so that's what I've been creating. Wowzers. There's, that's quite a lot, sounds like quite a lot of work to be putting into the development in the early stages of a dream and a vision you've got. Can you walk me through your process when it comes to researching an idea? Because obviously you've gone through a process of trying to find those mm, stories yeah. and, and paint the picture for yourself in your mind what that looks like. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. How are you finding those stories and how are you recording them for yourself to then transfer that into a piece of artwork? It's fun for me because I like studying and I like reading, hence I got stuck in that phase a little bit too much but yeah so like <laughs> lots of books from the library which are very overdue now and uh buying lots of books like just there, there's a couple of Bendigo authors that had done work on women in that time at first I found it difficult to because I've never like I have made a body of work my still life things but not in the sense of I found it almost overwhelmingly large. What will tie it all together? Will they all be heroes or will they all be victims? Or which stories do I pick? I don't know. So in the end, I've just really gone with the ones that I can't get out of my head. <laughs> Funnily enough, that yeah led me to look into my own ancestry and I got to talking to a second cousin of mine who lives in Canberra and she had all these stories of some of our relatives and oh, it man. was just so special. Wow. <laughs> because I'm like, yeah, when you look on Ancestry.com, you find their, their date of birth, maybe when they died, who they're married to, but I'm like, what were they doing? What did they like to do? What were they? <laughs> what were the, who were they? Who were they? And yeah. Obviously, we can't know that, but I found three really special family stories, one of them being that my great-great-grandfather was actually Chinese and we didn't know that. Yeah. Wow. So it was squashed out of the family history. He changed his name to Lawson and, yeah, so I'm making artwork about a mixed-racial couple who met on the goldfields. He married an English woman. Yeah, so that's wow. pretty cool. That's really cool. I want to dig into one part of what you said there. You're saying you're trying to find a guiding principle to bring everything together and that it ended up being just what was you couldn't get out of your head. That yeah. I think that speaks to possibly a really valuable part of being or creating work that means something rather than looking for a, an maybe something outside to to motivate the decision ma that you make but rather to search inside and go it what the value of what you're making and contributing to the world comes from a large part of who you are right mm, yeah. and it and being able to inject that into your art that's what people are feeling on the other side and that's what makes it powerful, meaningful and relatable. Mm. Is that the, has that been a natural thing? And I want to, I suppose my question is, 
did achieving some form of external success impact or bring pressure to modify your process or or change the way that you mm. looked for what you were going to make? Yep, big time. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's a really valid point because – yeah, I was definitely looking outside to, okay, what have people done before? And obviously it would make sense if they were all, say, I don't know, Ballarat women from the Eureka story. That would yeah. fit neatly and <laughs> this isn't neat the way I want to do it. And I struggled for quite a while in terms of I won the prize by a traditional photograph. Maybe I should just be a f- traditional photographer. Or maybe I should take up painting. Uh, <laughs> 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 uh, it, it's it, where I sit... I don't see too many examples of people I can look up to doing that sort of mishmash is not the right word for it, but layered artwork like the, a lot of the photographers I really admire. Yeah, they take beautiful one-shot images or I admire a lot of painters. Yeah, yeah so it's hard not having that sort of mentor figure to, to look at. So instinct or intuition, you have to listen to it in the end because it, otherwise it haunts you. Mm. And even in terms of wanting to, I've wanted to put things on the photos now, like paint on them or put gold leaf on them. And I'm like, oh my God, Lauren, what are you doing? Just, <laughs> just take the photo. But I guess this year is, it's as much as about being or learning new skills to become a better artist, but it's about being a bad artist too. Mm. I haven't given myself permission to just make some mistakes and bad art. And mm. I yeah. suppose that's like that pressure that you could feel to mm. then everything you do to be worthy of a, yeah. a of a rich art prize, yeah, right? And totally. that that danger of removing your, as you say, your permission to make a mistake removes your ability to grow. Yeah, doesn't it? Yeah, it can be crippling. It's I don't know Alana Morissette with it, jagged little pill, <laughs> the difficult second album. Do you do the same, or do you explore other territories? Yeah. yeah. And, and yeah. yeah, I think I decided a little while ago, and I keep flip-flopping, but <laughs> I could probably tailor some things that I make to be more commercially viable and make the same of them mm-hmm. to probably have an art career or a financially more successful one that way. Yeah, or I can be the artist that sort of explores the murkier territory and make what comes from inside me, and that's not always going to be or have perhaps the success I want, but, uh, yeah, I feel called to that path. So you've taken a year of absence from your teaching and I'm wondering, so after this year, you've obviously, you've had exposure, (laughs) a lot more people know your work. Will teaching come back into it? Yeah, it's an interesting... Life look like after that. ...thing to think about. Because, yes, when I had won the prize, I just thought this was the fairy tale and obviously now I'm just going to sell heaps of work and be fine. I'm not finding, like, I might have more sales, but it's it's inconsistent. There is no fortnightly check. So I've become more comfortable with that now. But I also miss teaching as well, which was interesting. This year's probably been good to have a little rest from that and actually look at I miss the energy of the schoolyard you it's like a fountain of youth being around children all the time so just reflecting on yeah would there be a balance of those two in my life rather than just rushing forward and saying I'm a full-time artist I have to quit my job because that's part of the hero's journey it's a <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah and that gets back to what is perceived as success by 
other people or what you perceive success should look like. When really, if you can paint the tapestry of your story however you like. Yes. Yeah. You're not limited yeah. by what a perception of our culture is saying that artists aren't any good if they're not full-time and that's all they do. Pretty much. And yeah. that it's a cop-out for you to go back to teaching. Yes. I can imagine yeah. there'd be that kind of oh, there's pressure so of like yeah. they, they say. Uh, yeah, yeah. They don't exist really. <laughs> but. They are, but yeah, yeah. Yes. Do you have any strategies for traversing the they voices? How are you working through it? Yeah, I journal, I meditate. I, I So the other thing that I discovered was that for me, and I think it's true of a lot of artists, it's not a nine-to-five job and by trying to just sit there at the desk nine-to-five, I'm not saying for everybody, but certainly for me, you burn out. It, it has cycles. The voice is a part of the cycles and it's seasons and so it's cycle of incubating ideas and then actually creating them and then putting them out into the world and then really feeling a bit depressed after that until you incubate more ideas and you start the cycle again. So this year's really given me a chance to observe these cycles and get used to them and name them and be able to identify that, oh, okay, here they come again, all right, yep, yep. The other thing that's quite helpful is, might sound a bit weird, so when the voices come, I'll talk to myself in like just a really kind mothering sort of voice, yeah, and I'll talk to the voices and try and nut out what is the fear, where's it coming from, and often it comes down to those root reasons of like fear of being rejected or being seen or not being good enough, and you just pay it some attention and then go and make some more work really yeah was that a an easy thing for you to be able to do to ask yourself those questions and to just to actually confront what might be causing things oh god no (laughs) how did you get to that point to be able to do that yeah so I used to probably numb out the voices with a bit too much wine of Mm. an evening Mm. yeah so I stopped drinking last year I took a year off alcohol and so I had to sit with the voices Mm. (laughs) Uh, this year I went on a spiritual retreat in March so yeah I try to find strategies that'll help me and to be honest they're not that scary once you sit with them or they I think we talked about shadow sides last time Mm. shadow sides not like you're a, a serial killer or something like that it's just those unconscious Parts of ourselves that are running the program that you mm. just need to look into and go, oh, oh okay, yeah, that, that's what I'm really afraid of and that's what's driving the ship and, yeah. A lot of it, <laughs> do you feel like it's that sense of ego that's there to protect us as well? Oh, you for know, sure. They're there just, sure. just going, hang on, you're treading into territory yeah. here that, you know, is confronting. Yeah. It's a bit scary and I just want to keep you safe over here in the, this is the straightforward path. I think that's, yeah, and that's a lovely way to look <laughs> at it, that they're not, yeah, they're not horrible. They, they are trying to, pre- sometimes they scream, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> Go back to your teaching job, you idiot. <laughs> Why do you want to keep putting yourself out there? Because it can be very painful sort of constantly putting yourself in very vulnerable positions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's another really core kind of truth that a lot of people I feel and have got a little bit misguided on is that the thought would be, Lauren, that, what, why are you doing that? That's discomfort. 
that's hard. Why would you intentionally put yourself in a hard situation? Why would you do that? Good question. Isn't the purpose and the goal in life to be comfortable? I would say no one nearly ever has got some real value or changed anything in their life from being in a comfortable position. No, no. What value does that have to you? It is it's sometimes what I like to think, and obviously, yeah, that braveness and vulnerability comes in a lot of different packages, but mm. I think that's the difference between, say, creativity and an artist. If you look at an artist as an archetype or a persona that you put on, I think that's the bit that has that real fire. It mixes that pragmatic nature with the creative and it it kind of it forces you to put yourself out there yeah. like it <laughs> because the artist isn't satisfied with what they see around them they it, have to contribute to it it knows that yeah the art is there to be shared and to make a contribution in the world and it's bigger than you it's bigger than me suck it up mother teresa get your art. <laughs> <laughs> not comparing myself to mother teresa <laughs> but it's i think that's a, when it's a calling you just can't not and you mm. might drag your feet mm. many steps of the way but you just you you got to put it out there. Mm. Yeah. There's a lesson in creativity here for no, no matter who you are, whether you're an artist or whether you're an architect or whether you're a brand designer, in a lot of things and processes in, in creativity, a lot of value is discovered through the unknown. Yes. It's yeah. a place that we need to be comfortable with, right, yeah. is to be seeking out, searching, to be discovering requires yeah. discomfort. And it requires challenge because I wouldn't say that there's a whole lot that has been achieved, new things and new boundaries that have been explored through people doing what is known or doing what someone else thinks they should do or all that nonsense that goes through our head. It's the the coal that's pressurised that makes yeah. the diamond. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, all those wonderful analogies. Uh. <laughs> but it's harder in practice, isn't it? <laughs> because it's just actually really hard. Yeah. But Lauren, I wonder, you were really shocked when you won. You didn't expect to win that and you're saying they caught your reaction. Yeah. Now you know it's possible. Yes. What has that opened up in you? For everyone out there listening, I guess the bit is, yay, anyone, it could happen to anyone. It was, and yay for Blue Thumb to put forward a prize that supports all artists no matter what genre and just, yeah, so that's amazing that there are places if you look for them where your art can be seen. In your thinking and your planning and your dreaming, does that change what you are reaching for? It probably hasn't made it any clearer what I'm reaching for. Yeah. <laughs> are there as clearly defined opportunities past that? If you've thought, yeah, this is what I'm working towards and now I'm past that now, what's what's next? Is that There's a challenge in that, right? There is. And I mean, for first, I said I didn't plan to win the prize. That was <laughs> just, yeah. An opportunity that, that came that up. That gifted me then a year of being an artist and being able to explore and things. And probably what I learnt about what I expected, then some nice gallery to come and choose me. And mm. that didn't happen. Mm. So I've had to sort of coronate myself, had to choose my, or that's what I'm learning to do probably, to choose myself. Okay, for now I'm a self represented artist and whether it's just me or maybe for females it can be like I want to be I want the prince to choose me I want the gallery to choose me I want to be picked I want to to some extent that was true I made that one perfect piece of work that won the prize yep but 
Yeah, and so we've talked a lot about the creative process and how that's influenced, but what about the practicalities of, you say, represent? What does representing yourself look like? I'm completely outside the, the art world. What are your practical actions of representing your art as yourself? Yeah, good question. Yeah, <laughs> also learning that yeah, as great. well and working out what fits for me. Mm. I did have big plans of yeah, I'd be on, like on social media every day, and I don't. It doesn't. <laughs> I'm pretty good if I do something once a week, possibly. But I'm getting better at that. And social media is a great tool. I don't do my head in about it, but I try to show up mm. occasionally. Uh, <laughs> so I think it's about showing up it's about showing up to the podcast it's about showing up for lunch with your artist friends or I have a weekly group that I show up with on a zoom meeting where we keep each other accountable for our goals and what we've got planned for the week I have the space at view street I've got a couple of online galleries where people can purchase my work so I suppose yeah it's making the work making it available and realising that it's a long game, it's a lifelong thing. It's not like I'd be burnt out pretty quickly if it was just instant gratification after instant. And I've, I've done that. I'd be like, oh, I've made a sale. Awesome. And I do. I get super excited every time I make a sale. But then I'd be like, oh, but where's the next sale? It's never enough. Yeah. So you just have to learn with successes and failures to give them a little bit of love and then move on. And I think it's also about showing up for me as a person. So it's not just about being in my studio making artwork. You know, I make sure I go on bushwalks or I'm making soap or cooking or gardening, doing lots of other creative things that will go into galleries or reading things that will give me inspiration or just make me feel connected. Yeah, I love that. Not Not relying on this one thing that's been really successful for you to fulfil you 100% like as the only source of fulfillment that would be pretty dangerous <laughs> would be be like yeah you win the oscar or something and you're like oh and then yeah. Yeah, it's natural yeah. to probably have a period of feeling sad after cause it was such a high mm. but i've got my whole life ahead of me mm. and i'm a mother to two little kids that's still my priority mm. at this point as mm. well so i think that everything happens for a reason mm. i have spiritual beliefs that help me and maybe it's just a case of not yet perhaps mm. i will be represented by a gallery one day maybe I haven't made the right work yet or maybe I just need the time to be with my kids and to make mistakes now mm. yeah I guess I'm yeah really focused on the gold fields project and I suppose what I'm hoping is that it it reaches a wide audience or that it really makes people think about the women that came before us and what we can learn from the past and honoring them so I guess I'm hoping for it to be the best work that I can make and that it's a success in those ways, that it has ripple effects. We spoke off air about how there was a point where you said to the, you said to the universe, you know, I'm ready to be a full-time artist. And I think that's really powerful. It was clearly the time where you said, I'm ready, I'm yeah. ready for this. And guess what? Boom. <laughs> yeah, and I just I find that really powerful, not as in a magic lottery, yeah, yeah. just that you felt you landed in a place where it's, okay, I'm here and now I'm ready for this to open up. Yeah, I've struggled a lot with, because I'm someone who likes to know what happens next. When I first got into, oh, you'd have heard the word manifesting, and I think I said before about it's a little bit treating it like a great vending machine in the sky, and that's not what it's about. <laughs> And the story of me winning the art prize probably really illustrated to me 
like I believe that the universe is benevolent and it has your best interests at heart and sometimes it knows better than you. Like, And sometimes it just feeds you yucky vegetables because they're good for you and <laughs> you don't realise it at the time. But in hindsight, it's like that was a good thing. But in terms of the prize, like when I said I made that announcement that, okay, I'm, I was doing a meditation, I'm ready to be a full-time artist. And it was having that open statement where I just, and I did, I let it go. In fact, I was at a stage where I'm like, I'd be happy to be an artist, not be an artist, it's all good. And then it came to me in a way that was completely unexpected. So if you can get yourself to a place where you don't expect the results, that can be really amazing. Whereas, yeah, if I plan everything out and say, okay, with the Goldfields women, I want it to be this and I want to do this and I want this many people, like not leaving room for like a co-creation. It is really that leaving room. It is being open to, to the possibilities because you, each of us, have really no way of predicting the future at all. At all. (laughs) So why would you plan things in a way that you're going to be devastated or construct your success banking on what's going to happen in the future? Yeah. And that's what a lot of people do that, right? Obviously, good to make plans, good to have dreams, but even pulling it back, I think what you're saying is that you really pulled it back a step from this is my 10-step plan to becoming a full-time artist to to going, no, look, I'm going to position myself to receive this thing yeah. and I'm ready and I'm open. Yeah. And it happened No idea you. what it looked like. No yeah. idea. I couldn't have made that up if I tried. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> That's great. No, I just, because I wouldn't have picked that for myself. It wouldn't, yeah, because I wouldn't have thought I was worthy of that. So it's pretty amazing and it definitely involves a lot of, yeah, just letting, oh God, I don't have that mastered. They do say you've got to, let go and make space for things to happen. Yep. So who knows? Who knows what the future looks like? All I can do is be the best person and artist that I can be now and hopefully that plants little seeds Mm. that then grow in the future. And I've learnt that sometimes I've made something and I'm like, why isn't isn't it selling? Why is no one liking it? Two years later, I might sell five copies of the same piece that nobody's given a crap about for two years yeah <laughs> it just it is a long game there's just give yourself room I think to enjoy it as well like we can get in our heads and uh, why isn't it happening like the waiting's excruciating or just yeah you know, not I think not worrying about the how it's going to happen for you is yeah, the key thing can, stepping yeah. away for that and really enjoying the the process of making yes. the actual doing yep. what you love yep. and the imagining of where it where it could be but not the how you're going to connect those two things yeah. together it's yeah. tricky it is super tricky <laughs> and i think creatives that, definitely get bogged down in the middle yeah mm. they just like but it has to happen in this way yes. this person has to like it this yep. person has to sign me in this way yeah that kind of thing and then you spend all your energy there and you're not having fun yes <laughs> yeah yeah and just without sounding corny, but coming back to just being grateful for mm. being alive, being being in a sort of privileged position that most of us are in that mm. I think we get we're so busy to win the race to get the big house or the car or whatever, you don't realise how how great it is. Which is beautiful. That's the metaphor of that <laughs> one you the whole thing. That's it. It's just... It's just <laughs> so true. That's excellent. <laughs> yeah, just, that's great. Just slow down. Mm. Yeah. 
There's there's a couple more things that I want to touch on before we wrap this up, but the one that is pretty pivotal to and really has a really close part to play in a creative's actual creative journey is knowing that you're not the only part to to play in life. There's more here and around us than just ourselves. And I think a lot of people get stuck in isolation in terms of we're just all individual persons and bodies walking around this world and there's nothing greater. There's nothing else. Yeah. And you call it the universe and I'm a, a Jesus lover and I he is that for me. Yeah. But the a part of my own story is it, that links in and I think re- reiterates what you're saying is that I wanted to be an actor for a long time and I had defined yeah. my success as I'm going to act in these big films. And I got some early auditioning success and then I thought, yep, nope, this is it. This is how I'm going to achieve the dream that I feel like I've been given. Yeah. And it, it was a hilarious journey in that six years later after of having a professional agent and going to audition after audition, I didn't get one job, oh, not wow. one. Yeah. And the approach I took was like, in the end, I, I look back and I go, man, there's been so many closed doors on this opportunity. <laughs> Every single one was closed. <laughs> what am I doing? And I literally just was walking in the bush and listening to some music and I said, Lord, I, if I never act again, that's fine. I'm giving this to you. Mm. If it's going to happen, you're going to make it happen, not me. Yeah. And the peace that letting go of that dream and saying, I'm not going to be the one that's going to make this happen. Yeah. I'm not going to take full responsibility for this because I'm not walking this life with just me. Yeah. There is other forces at play in this world mm-hmm. and you can't, it, there's just such a pressure and a stress and an anxiety that can come from putting all of the responsibility of making every single thing happen. And there's truth in tension. Like you, you, made, you did things to make some success happen. Course, you had to yeah. make that artwork, right? You yeah, didn't you just sit on the couch <laughs> and go, come I'm to me. Ready, <laughs> I'm ready to be a full-time artist. I'm ready for success. And then just sit and wait. The truth is always intention, but the happy tension, I think, is knowing that we're not alone. We're not, mm. there's, it's not just us, that we can only do what we can do and we can't see the future. So there's an element of opening and an element of giving that, that, and positioning ourselves to receive something yeah. that we couldn't have done ourselves or weren't expecting. Do you resonate with oh, that at all? Big time. I love that would have been so hard for you back then. Uh, you it was know. very freeing because mm. I've spent six years of not oh <laughs> dabbling down yes. to Melbourne and, yeah. and I'm a very self-confident person. Yeah. And to this, day, I would <laughs> know. What? to this day, uh, people look at me funny when I say it, but to this day, I still believe I'm a good actor and they go, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the evidence would suggest otherwise, <laughs> Caleb. But I, I, I didn't have any worries there in terms of believing I can do something. Yeah. But just taking the lesson and the message that maybe that just the timing's not right. Yeah. And yeah. after that, following that decision of releasing that, I had the freedom to pursue things that were working. Yes. And they began to work more. Yeah. And I've been able to build a business that's doing some great things and fulfilling yeah. and meeting needs and all over the place. Whereas the other was pulling me down and hel- yeah. holding me yep. captive to a dream that I may still have, but it I felt like I had to make it happen. And I think the freeing thing of your journey that I relate to is that you you release that almost that pressure of going, this is how exactly how I'm going to engineer this dream, but mm. you actually just 
were okay with that dream and stating it and going, I'm ready for this. Yeah. You're actually masterful at that because you've done exactly that again when you've won this prize and you could, you were like, oh, now what am I, I'm supposed to do this, I'm supposed to do this, I'm supposed to do this given I've done this and then you actually went, hang Step on, no. <laughs> I'm just going to, I'm going to make the yeah. things. Those were That's not, not all on-the-spot decisions. I know. That was not necessarily <laughs> a strategy, but it is actually part of how you operate. It's beautiful to watch, And Lauren. having, yeah, yeah, Caleb reminded me that, yeah, in the sense of whether it's a larger purpose or, yeah, being connected to what are you here on this earth to do. It's not obviously just to make money and get a bigger house and a car. For me, it's certainly not. No. And being humbled by, say, Emily Dickinson or Van Gogh, they were not recognised in their lifetime, but their art or what they created lives on. Just because one of my dreams is maybe, oh, I want to be represented by a gallery in this, that and the other. That may not happen. Maybe my purpose lies elsewhere. Mm. And I think it's just through listening to your intuition and your guidance and aligning with that that you can just, yeah, live the biggest life that you can live mm. that you're meant to be living. Mm. Yeah. Powerful stuff there. Wow, <laughs> we're deep. Oh, we're, all <laughs> we're, all deep. <laughs> we're all the way down the rabbit hole. This is excellent. I want to bring it back to around this amazing interview off. I want to talk about your work right now and your Goldfields project, the one you've given us a little hints and previews on. What do you hope that project will communicate to, to the people who engage with it and what's the essence behind it the, yeah, or the message big question I think it's probably a couple of things in the sense so these women have been in my head for a few years now that mm. won't let me alone they're like little ghosts in the shower <laughs> but uh, so part of it is to give them a voice that they were never able to have and part of it is to particularly for women who view the work to be inspired that will look at where I live now, I can live the dreams that these women couldn't because they were so bound by circumstance and the way things were in patriarchy and different things, but I can be brave enough to live my life for them to an extent, that mm. looking that it's all connected sort of thing. Yeah. What have you discovered in your research about these particular stories and has anything jumped out at you in terms of a story that really you think or resonates with you? Yeah, for sure. Um, drawn to a lot of the darker stories where the women are the victims, but I haven't just gone with those. Probably the one that means the most to me at this point is a story that I heard about my great-grandmother Mary and her little boy was nine and he went missing in the bush and when my cousin was telling me, oh, I know how this ends, they all just die. Anyway, he survived actually the two nights in the bush. They found him, the troopers found him. He was hiding under a log. But the bit that really choked me up was, and look, this may not be true, might be a bit family legend embellished, but Mary's hair apparently turned white in the time that he was missing because she was so aggrieved that her child was missing. And what it really spoke to for me was, oh my God, like this, mm. this motherhood thing mm. is just universal. Sometimes I don't know, we look back on the past and we're like, mm, so many babies died then, maybe they didn't not care as much, but grief maybe was different. And I'm yeah. like, no, this is such a palpable example that was like she grieved and mm. had a happy <laughs> ending. She lost a few <laughs> other children like yeah. in her lifetime, but this one was just, yeah, it was just magical for me. And I'm like, <gasps> like that, what a gem to find yeah. that, you know, that rich little story. 
if that doesn't pull your heartstrings, <laughs> I don't know <laughs> what will. Like yeah. all the parents out there going, <laughs> yeah. oh, my goodness. Oh, my heart. <laughs> we can all imagine it. A kid goes missing for two seconds oh, in the supermarket, yes. let alone in the Australian bush like yeah. back in those days. So, wow. yeah. Yeah. Wow. I cannot wait for that. I reckon we could do a whole other episode on, that, <laughs> on the plans that you've and the stories uh, that you've got for that yeah. work. But Can I'm I a, just ask know. this work, where so is it going to come this out? This work's probably going to be in progress for, I don't know, <laughs> maybe another year or so. But mm-hmm. So I'm working towards having some pieces ready for the Molden Goldfields Gothic Festival. So they'll be on display at the Edge Gallery there. Pretty sure they're going to have an opening on the 28th of July, but otherwise I think the festivals, I believe, is the first weekend in August. So it's in Malden and then I've collaborated with Mackenzie Quarters for the 1st and 2nd of September to have some works hung in Mackenzie Quarters so you can come along on the Friday night and come and have a look at them and then they'll go, they're going to have a cool dinner the next day with an artist talk. So mm. it's a very brief window to come and see the work. Yeah. But otherwise, I guess when it's finished, maybe I'll exhibit it somewhere. So are we talking 2024 or are we talking 2023? Oh, this, this year. Yeah. Right. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. yeah. So I've finished, nearly finished four pieces. So Wow. Yeah. That's great. Can't wait to see them. <laughs> Lauren, you have been an absolute legend. Thank yeah. you for spending the time with us and opening your heart and your thoughts and your journey. So we really appreciate yeah. it. Thank you so much, Lauren. I always love your openness. It's not a cut and dry, clean, mm. sanitised version of what it is to mm. be an artist. Yeah. It's real life and it's so relatable and inspiring. It makes me really connect to your work even more knowing how honestly you approach things. Oh, thank you. So thank you. That was my intention coming in was just, well, I guess I like I think about things a lot and I do a lot of inner work. So if I said something today that might help someone in a similar situation, then great because it's a big, fat, unknown mess really. <laughs> Being an artist, <laughs> is, yes. <laughs> that it is. <laughs> that it is. <laughs> Thanks, Lauren. Country Creatives is the brainchild of Reese Hendy and Caleb Maxwell. It's produced by Amy Chapman with the support of the Emporium Creative Hub in Mitchell Street, Bendigo. If you'd like to listen to any of our past episodes or catch any of the links from today's episode, you can visit us at emporiumcreativehub.com.au slash podcast and you can get in contact with us via the Instagram page, country underscore creatives. Until our next episode, which drops in two weeks. We hope you stay very well and super creative. We'll see you soon.